Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we take a look at the happenings on these market trade today, of course, really looking at some lower numbers happening in the corn and the beans on the day and the wheat as well. The wheat really, especially out of uh Kansas City took a big drop in the trade action today. On the livestock side, we look at kind of some mixed numbers happening in the cattle contract, but lower on the hogs. We're going to take a look at all the things happening on this market. A lot of um, outside market influences, some interesting perspectives that we're going to look at today with Sam Hudson. Sam, of course, with Corn Belt Marketing. And let's start off the fact that we did have a USDA report, and everybody talks about that February report that came out yesterday. It's just kind of a flash in the pan. It doesn't really get a lot of excitement in the trade. But you kind of said it's left us kind of in a drift a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it still serves as a reference point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know if it was a flash in a pan at all. <laughs> you know, I don't know if anything ever went into the pan yesterday. Just some <laughs> nom- nominal adjustments. Uh, you know, the USDA did so much to cut demand in the January crop report that, uh, uh, at least on, on corn anyways, that uh, it didn't leave them a whole lot on the vine this month to do so. Uh, we did see a slight reduction in ethanol, and that's a reflection of just some pinch margins, particularly out west. Uh, in fact, we saw Green Plains ethanol announce a 10% pullback in production just this week. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if you, if you see some others follow suit. We've been hearing about, uh, you know, some slower hours uh, at a lot of these processors. And I think this could help stretch uh, some of these JFM deliveries all the way in, into the beginning part of April. Uh, and otherwise, I don't think there's a big prospect for, for a steadily improving basis in that in that market, unless it's just because of, of when farmers get a little bit busy. So, um, you know, export demand pretty steady there. I do think we could see a gradual improvement as we get into spring for our export program. But uh, at the end of the day, we're going to be playing from so far behind. I don't think it's going to be enough to move the needle. So as you look at that uh, picture and moving forward, is, is there some nervousness at all within this trade, especially when we look at corn and the, the lack of excitement that this market seems to has, have as of late? Uh, 100%. I, I mean, here we've been, uh, you know, slowly baking in Argentina crop losses. We've continued to see their their crops get ratcheted down. USDA did so again yesterday, and I would expect them to continue to do so. Uh, but they have had some rain, uh, you know, since the beginning of the year here over the last two, three weeks. And I think that helps stabilize some of those estimates and gets people thinking at least they can feel the basement in those estimates. And, and all the while, we haven't really seen a pullback in Brazil. So with that being said, I, I think uh, the market is just kind of awaiting and the risk long term is, is kind of a slow, gradual bleed out as these inversions come out of the market uh, amidst the realization that we're going to plant another crop here in the U.S. on top of it. We know that uh, the meal market, you talked about it kind of feeling a squeeze uh, today on the board. Yeah, you know, we, we've continued to hear about this record, uh, you know, long meal length. Uh, we saw that taken out just a bit as we got into, uh, you know, the beginning part of this year, uh, into the beginning part of February. But now just today, uh, you know, after some sideways lack of usable trade, uh, we see the meal turn around and, and now cash meal trade indicator here, uh, you know, over 500 bucks a ton. And you got the March contract, you know, banging on the door 500 bucks a ton again. So, as we go into to expiration, expiration and delivery there, that March May spread, you know, narrowed uh, quite a lot today, about over five bucks a ton in itself. And so seeing quite a lot of volatility there. Um, and, uh, you know, all the while we've seen oil just battered, uh, the soy oil side of things. So we're going to see a lot of focus still on the meal oil share. I think this is, uh, you know, mostly tied to the bad drought in Argentina that we mentioned. They crush a lot of their beans. Uh, and that seems to be, you know, the market's concern, at least for right now, because not only is the world uh, going to have to rely on Brazil, but Argentina is going to have to rely on them to a certain degree as well to meet some of those needs. When you talk about that Argentine crop, new lows came in yesterday, obviously, when those numbers came out from the USDA, but really not enough to be a trade shock because I think everybody kind of factored in the dryness that they've been dealing with. 
Yeah, everyone expected we were going to see a cut to some degree. USDA, you know, per, per usual, has been very measured in their response. Uh, we saw some pretty dramatic, uh, you know, reductions last month from some of the South American private estimates, uh, Buenos Aires grain exchange being one of them. And, you know, like as I mentioned, I think a lot of those numbers are just going to kind of be moderated at this point. But at the end of the day, you can't put back what's been taken out. We can stabilize some of those estimates, but you're not going to see them, you know, reverse and start to go back up with yield. I think at this point, we're just going to start, uh, you know, putting the laser on Brazil as they get deeper into their harvest. Uh, and probably the biggest threat at this point now is is the persistent rains we've seen in Brazil. If those were to continue, uh, you know, that could, uh, you know, finally offer a threat to production or quality, uh, you know, additional harvest delays, just uh, kind of the full gamut uh, of something that could happen there. But that's obviously a worst case scenario and we'll see how it plays out. I had done some reading earlier this morning and they were talking about Brazil being the, the thorn in the side for, for U.S. exports because, you know, China obviously goes to them right away when those, those new crop beans become available. Well, that's right. I mean, not only are they going to be producing more than the U.S., but uh, exporting more of it uh, in general. And, and, you know, we're going to become a lot more reactionary to, uh, you know, their cropping cycles, uh, their cropping uh, and acreage plans in general. And, and we know uh, that's been a big theme this year is the, is the expansion of their acres between four and six million acres again this year. Uh, and the pace that that uh, is happening is still going to be something that the trading does take notice while we continue to see uh, kind of a stagnant, uh, you know, overall acreage total here in the U.S. across corn beans. You know, just like in the corn, Sam, um, beans have not had any excitement either lately when it comes to export potentials. That's right. You know, now we've been you know pretty steady. I mean, our sales and our, our inspections still are ahead of pace, but seasonally we should start to see that slow down. And, and you know, once again, the pace at which we slow down is going to be important. Obviously, we can't drop the market out too hard, or, or we can become competitive. You know, just right away again because South America uh, isn't fully you know into their harvest yet, and, and they have some of those delays going on. But Despite all that, their pork premiums continue to just slowly slide. We continue to see corn and bean basis week to week and month to month just slowly kind of leak out. And I think that's probably, you know, as I mentioned, that one of the risks for this market is just becoming complacent after such a long consolidated trade. Uh, you know, we're bound to, to change this at some point. It, it's only a matter of time. What are your thoughts on, on this wheat market? I mean, Kansas City, I thought, okay, we got some positive action going on, and it definitely did not do that today. That's right. And, you know, we've seen the Kansas City firm up against the Chicago quite a lot, though, over the past month or so. Uh, you know, it was kind of nearing that, uh, you know, $9 mark. And, and here we're sitting here waiting to see if Chicago can, can get back to eight. And so I do kind of have a bias that uh, with especially with the short position built up in Chicago and coming out of spring with the situation in the Black Sea, things really aren't improving there. Fundamentally, I'm not real bullish, but it just feels like the market could be ripe to see a bit of a, an unwinding of that. So keep that in mind here in the wheat trade over the next several weeks. All right, folks, stick around. When we come back, we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about this wheat complex. We'll talk about the weather as well, not only to the south, but here in the States. More is coming up. It's a fun. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. The Fontenelle now, final bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation this afternoon with Sam Hudson. Sam is with Corn Belt Marketing. And we left off kind of talking about what was going on in this wheat market with basis and all that kind of stuff. And I know that they're already tar- starting to talk about the potential for some rains for the very southern plains for this uh, re- 
hard red wheat area. That is so hard to say. But in the Southern Plains, looking at some positives moving in, and as those temperatures start to warm up, I think the the proof is going to be in the pudding, Sam, shall you say, on where this wheat crop is at? Well, it always is, but what do we say? We get like nine cups of pudding, right? We've got nine lives, nine times to kill it. So um, at the end of the day, I still will go back to, you know, this most recent report yesterday, which keeps our domestic stocks to usage at around 30% for wheat. We've got plenty of it around. I think our production is more going to be influencing, you know, basis and, and, and cash spreads here domestically, obviously. Uh, you know, the biggest thing for futures direction, I think, at least over the next three or four months, is the trajectory here in, in the Black Sea region. We talked about the big short position built up in Chicago. Um, but the geopolitics really around the globe are going to continue to kind of influence uh, if we start to see, uh, you know, volatility dialed up again. Uh, we saw India talk about export limitations in this next cycle as well this week. And, and a lot of that is still kind of in reaction to what, uh, you know, happened in, in Ukraine here uh, about, a, about a year ago now. So, um, a lot, a lot of eyes on the situation still. Um, politics and policy here moving forward as we start to, you know, even consider the next uh, presidential election here in the U.S. That's hard to believe. We're already starting to talk about that happening. Um, weather-wise, since we're talking about the rain p- potentials in the southern part of the U.S., I know that uh, they came out uh, earlier today with below-average runoff will continue for the upper Mississippi or upper Missouri River Basin. Folks are still watching how the Mis- Mississippi's going to look. I wanted to kind of get where you're at as well when it comes to to the moisture over this winter because you were dry not as dry as the western corn belt but again a lot of folks are banking on us getting some moisture this spring that's right and we're going to have to see that particularly out west uh, especially west of the missouri uh, we're sitting pretty good right here we did uh, finish our crop this year on fumes we had a lot of record yields around here just phenomenal weather uh, with the exception of, of the better part of july we were pretty dry uh, but we started off so well and the roots uh, were well established that uh, you know, we still saw those pretty high-end yields. Um, and I would say, you know, around between Halloween and Thanksgiving, there was a lot of talk about, hey, we're just going to be in as much a hurt as they've been out west if we don't get any rainfall or real precipitation over the winter, which typically doesn't yield a whole lot. Uh, but really, since the first of the year, we've seen these temperatures go up and down. We've got some snowfalls uh, that have melted in and not really run off. Uh, just, uh, you know, overnight and this morning, we got another half to three-quarters of an inch of rain with you know, temperatures in the low to mid-40s to start the day. And so we've kind of charged ourselves up. We're, we're going to be ready for spring, I believe around here um and, and you know at the end of the day isn't it all about timing i mean production year in year out we can see uh you know we can look at trends and maps but timing is everything uh and we you know and talking about precipitation for the plains in regards to wheat it may have just as much impact on corn mm-hmm. uh you know with these inputs the way they've dropped the need for feed out west if a guy can lock in some cheaper inputs and put corn on the ground you know in hopes that uh you know it's going to work out he'll be a lot more comfortable making that uh you know assessment and that decision if we've had some moisture versus just rolling the dice on some drier dry ground I meant to ask you this in the first segment because of the the wet weather, and you kind of mentioned a little bit about Brazil. Is there some concerns about what might happen with the safrinha corn crop? Well, absolutely. I mean, it's it's still a little too early to get uh, too wound up about it. I mean, the production you know range and cycle in Brazil is just very very wide. Um, if we're still talking about the situation in three or four months, it's definitely going to be a thought process for the trade, uh, especially because the fact that we've all kind of penciled in this this one fifty five. Uh, 155 million metric ton bean crop down there. So if we start to change the ideas on that uh, and threaten, as you mentioned, the second crop corn after the production problems in Argentina, then you've got uh, all kinds of reasons again to you know talk about risk premium uh, as we enter the U.S. weather cycle. All right, let's look at the livestock side of the trade. Box beef numbers again saw some big surges going on there. Yeah, hey, yeah, and we've seen the, you know some of those uh, the choice select spread you know kind of adjust here over the last several weeks. Uh, you know it's still historically very strong though. 
Uh, and, you know, we're watching this uh, February live cattle contract as it goes into expiration here and into delivery, uh, you know, firm up and stay, uh, you know, nice and healthy there. So I think that bodes well for the April contract. At the end of the day, I don't know if there's a ton of upside in the short term. I think we're going to have to see the next leg up in cash and maybe we're about to see that. Uh, but it seems to be right now that we're more or less fully priced and uh, I think economic sentiment is still going to have a, a big role here, but at the end of the day, we know herd liquidation is continuing, and until we confirm that that, that demand has really fallen off, um, you know, it's going to be hard for the market to break. And guess what? Uh, you know, spring summer growing season is going to be right around the corner here. Yes, thank goodness for that. Find the uh, frustrations with these hogs. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think everyone's just been kind of just waiting and toying with the idea that we can see a bottom to cut out uh, lean hog index in general to, to help rally things. We have seen a bit of life in some of the spreads here, uh, the February, April spread, but, uh, you know, the market in general across the board has not really been able to post a bottom here yet. Hoping we're working on something uh, to that degree and some of the same factors we just discussed for the live cattle, I think, apply to the hogs here as we go into that spring summer time frame. All right, Sam, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? 800-655-3380 or www.cornbeltmarketing.com. All right, Sam Hudson has been joining us. Just a quick note, you can catch Sam on our weekend report, the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup on our social media platforms. He'll be joined along with Kyle Bumstead for this weekend's report. And as always, we remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. That's the Thursday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. It is brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network network.